The Highlander Podcast is brought to you by Outdoor Product Design and Development, a four-year undergraduate degree focused on training the next generation of product creators for the sports and outdoor industries. Learn more at opdd.usu.edu. The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by the Outdoor Recreation Archive, a collaboration between OPDD and USU Special Collections to preserve the history and print materials of the people, products, and brands of the outdoor industry. Follow the archive at Outdoor Rec Archive on Instagram. The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by the Utah Outdoor Association, a business association focused on elevating Utah's outdoor industry through educational programming and events. Their membership consists of Utah's outdoor manufacturers, retailers, outfitters, and guides. Member benefits include networking opportunities, recruitment of talent, and brand promotion. More information about volunteering and membership is available at utahoutdoor.org. On this episode, we talk with Laura Smith, Director of Apparel Development at Black Diamond. Laura talks about the ins and outs of development and how developers work with design and management to bring product to market. Okay, so hello everybody. Um, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to um, have me um, speak with you on behalf of, of the outdoor industry. Um, my name is Laura Smith and I'm the Director of Apparel Development for Black Diamond Equipment down in Salt Lake City. Um, I've been in that role for about three years, um, three and a half years so far, um, but career has been about 20 years in the outdoor industry um, specifically. And I thought before, before I actually touch on everything that's apparel development and what that looks like from a career perspective, um, I, there were a couple things that I wanted to touch on. And one was, um, A, congratulations for taking probably one of the most important steps in your life, which is entering a program that is connected to your interests. So that is no small feat. Um, I think, you know, back in the day, uh, we didn't have the luxury of having an outdoor product-specific program. And, you know, from, from my perspective, I was a ski bum. Then I put myself through college. So I already knew that I wanted to design and get into product creation for ski apparel. Um, but the, the specific programs and the um, mentorship and the um, resources weren't as available as they are to you, especially in the USU program. So congratulations for that. Um, I'm very excited for you. Granted, these are very odd times, um, and I would imagine that you know, you're eager to get your hands dirty on a lot of things, um, but just be patient we will we will get through this next year, this COVID situation, and a whole new world is going to open up to you. Um, so having said that, my background is, like I said, it was very specific. I was a ski bum. I knew exactly what I wanted to get into, and I stuck to it. And I think that if, if, if you have that mindset and that grit, to say, yes, I'm going to have some hardships throughout, the, throughout my career, recognize that, but stick to it because your passion is keeping you connected to the outdoor industry, you've, you've, you've probably crossed the biggest hurdle of, of your career. Um, so, so that said, um, in, 
Black Diamond uh, has, in my career, Black Diamond, I feel as though I've come home. Um, I initially started out with a, a company in uh, Colorado, in Boulder, Colorado, um, called Spider Active Sports, which maybe you know about or you don't know about, but it's a ski, it's a race ski brand. Um, and, and, that, and that's where I honed my skills. Um, from there, I took a position with a women's startup company that tanked. And um, then I took a position with uh, Patagonia for about eight years as the manager of apparel development for their alpine snow categories. Uh, then I went to REI for about a year and a half. Um, apologies for all that live in the Pacific Northwest, but I could not handle the rain. And I, as soon as an opportunity opened up at, at BD, I was in. So I feel as though I've come home. Um, it's probably the best possible place to be in, where I'm, I'm able to take all of the talents in, that, I, that I possess and that I've nurtured over the years, um, my skills, um, my interests, and um, put it towards a brand that, that values what I can bring to the table. So I'm thrilled to be here and thrilled to, to, to be talking with you today. And I hope that, I hope that your, your trajectory, even if there are bumps in the roads, are um, as enjoyable and as connected to your passions as mine have been. So um, with that, um, so the, you know, it, it's interesting. At, at Black Diamond, um, there, there's, there's a culture. I think in any company that you go to work for, there's a culture that is undeniable. Um, if you, if you're, if you're Patagonia, you, you, you know, Yvonne and Melinda, they lead with environmentalism. So we, we are environmentalists. I think that is, that is a key thing for us as product creators. Um, we have to lead with an environmental mindset, be sensitive to that and, and choose the best practices, best materials, um, as stewards of that. So the indoctrination of Patagonia was a fascinating process for me. So not only was I able to hone my skills, um, but I was also indoctrinated in, into environmentalism. Um, and that is, that, is, that is sort of the overarching culture for Patagonia. I see them as an um, environmental firm that actually makes product. So that's a, that's a little bit different than Black Diamond, where Black Diamond is a PPE company for climbers. So basically PPE means protective equipment, personal protective equipment, which allows people to get outdoors to enjoy the sports that they do, focusing on climbing activities and um, skiing, trail running, and so forth. So, so each, every company out there has a, has a focus and has a culture that, that, is, um, that solidifies that, that, um, that end use. So Black Diamond specifically, and I, I don't know if everybody here is only about uh, apparel or if they're all about product creation, which is it? We've got a mix. We've got a mix. mix. Yeah, okay. So we okay. probably have someone who wants to do everything. Okay. 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 So that's, that's, you know what? That's totally cool. <laughs> so for apparel, 
um, Black Diamond Apparel, I we view, okay, so Black Diamond Apparel is probably only 10% of the sales of Black Diamond. It's a public company. You can go online. You can read the financials, the trajectory of where we're going. Um, and there are uh, versus Patagonia, which is a private company, and those financials are not made public. Um, so as, as an apparel portion of the business, our our value to the overarching brand of BD is that we, we allow a user to be outfitted from head to toe for whatever activities that they pursue. So we're, we're positioning ourselves and we're doing quite well um, to be a head to toe solution for outdoor pursuits, climbing, skiing, trail running. We just launched a footwear program um, that's taken off quite well. Um, we've seen sales for apparel in spite of, of this um, pandemic just shoot through the roof. Um, and that's, that's a testament to how everybody is now, you know, speaking in generalities, of course, but, you know, everybody is now more connected to the outdoors than ever. So this is a really unique time to, to, engage, to engage in this field for sure. So, um, so, so product development for apparel. So what that, what that looks like is that it is viewed as a hub for the product creation process. And it's funny, I had a, I had a talk with the president um, not long ago, my boss, John Walbert, and without product development, you have no product. And that is the unique the unique position of, of product development. It is, it is, in my opinion, it is the most important role in building anything. And I say that for several reasons. Your, the connection that a product developer has in the knowledge base allows all of these inputs to funnel in. So you have your, your sales information, you have your product line management and your business case information, you have your production and your sourcing information. They all come in, your materials come in, it all comes in, it gets consolidated into a tech pack, you know, your, your product information, but you, but you as a product developer are responsible from take, for taking that from a concept, from a 2D concept, all the way through to production, to mass scale production. And without, everybody can't do all things. Um, and that's a key thing that I, I sort of want to emphasize here because I know that when I started in my career, I was like, oh, I want to start, you know, I have some design talent. I've got a little bit of engineering talent. Um, I, I think I can do it all on my own. Well, we, we literally need a, 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 a team of individuals to allow the product creation to exist. Um, without it, it's too much, it's too overwhelming, and frankly, it's a lonely process. Um, it's a heck of a lot more fun to, to engage with your peers to, to build through that cycle. Um, so, so knowing that you're responsible from taking a 2D concept into a 3D concept, what that looks like is that um, and it sounds like you've already had your, your product line managers come in and talk about the business portion of it. 
Um, you had your designers and how excited they get on the front end of things. We straddle in between the 2D, uh, the 2D with the designers and the uh, 3D with the, with the development team and, the, and the, uh, that aspect of the product creation process. So when um, I, I, I think that I think that when when you when you go into the into your career, especially as a freshman in the program, I, I think it's important to to test to test yourself to um, find out where where you're connecting, what's connecting with you. Um, it, you could find that you hate Adobe Illustrator and that you only want to use it as a tool. You don't want to use it as a creative process. This is just an example. You're finding that you lead more with, you know, an Excel mind, an engineering mind. Um, and, you know, you love to crunch the numbers. So you love to analyze, you know, the construction of something, which is definitely product development related. Designers... Designers on the front end of the, of the process, they're more about market research, trends, trend research, um, working with the sales team, finding out what's selling, sketching, and that sort of a thing. Once that information comes into you or comes in in parallel with you, you have the ability to also go out and you know, scour the market, buy your samples, deconstruct your samples, see what's selling, test it, go out, you know, run the marathon, run the half marathon, the ultra, you know, ski the hill, climb the thing, do all of that, test it, figure out what works, what doesn't work, because there is always room for improvement. And um, perfectionism kind of is a thing, um, but it just means that you're striving to the next level because there always will be a next level. Um, and that's the exciting part about our, our field. So find out, find out, you know, explore, find out what resonates with you um, and know that, know that each, each aspect of building product and product creation has equal value. The designers are of, of uh, the designers are dependent on you as product developers. The product line managers are dependent on you to build the best possible product out there. Um, and in the sales team, and the sales team, if, you, if we don't deliver samples on time, if we don't deliver production on time with the production team because of something that wasn't followed up on our side, there, there, there are consequences. So it is absolutely, you know, all hands on deck, um, collaborative effort, and it's probably the most enjoyable aspect of it besides getting your salesman samples because then it's basically Christmas. So, um, so... Hopefully that that sort of makes sense. Um, you know, I think you know when you when you look at yourself, you're you're gonna you're gonna want to figure out. So, what are my skills? You're gonna hone your skills, um, and your skills could be you know like what what Andrew was saying. Your your three D skills, which is absolutely the time to do it. I I do not have those skills. I have to get go through training. Um, Definitely your virtual skills, your 3D close skills, um, understanding of, of costing, your Adobe Illustrator, get that package together. You can take that in so many directions that I probably don't even know. By the time you graduate, it could go in so many different direction, directions. But then also understand that there are certain traits, personal traits, that will help you succeed in 
in on your path. Um, and I don't want to I don't want to discount that because if you understand what your personal traits are and your personal value system is, then you will you will align with the brands and the materials and the people that allow you to integrate your career with your passion and and wake up every morning and be jazzed about it versus like oh gosh i you know that material you know has you know it, it, it's not pfc free or or i put it in a factory that you know they're interested in in subcontracting out and you know we didn't vet them from a quality you know perspective those types of things so so get your value system value system sorted um, find, you know, the, the traits that I view that I look for in candidates when they're applying for a product development position, you know, they're things like, you know, absolutely. Are you connected to the sport? I think in the outdoor industry, you, you've got to put a stake in the ground. Um, find out what that is. If you're kind of like, Meh, then find the, find the sport that is, is connected, is connecting to you, to the process. It makes a difference. I've never, I've, I've been, I've been fortunate that you know, I knew this a long time ago because I did the play thing before I went to school. So I knew exactly how, where I was going on my path. And I've talked to many people and they're saying, damn it, you know, I wish I took a year off and did something and had some fun and so forth. Um, so I think you've got a, you've got a unique advantage right now. Um, so, you know, passionate, so I think the, the sports that you're connected to, be passionate about it. Um, absolutely curious. You, you definitely, you know, like how, how the heck did we construct that thumb loop? You know, like we created this funky new zipper pull that requires a, a custom, you know, foot plate to apply a, to apply a, a, a hypalon zipper pull. So, you know, like what is that? How do people do that? Get curious. You definitely... You definitely want an air of um, self drive. Um, I think one of I'm I'm definitely a, an introverted type person. Um, I I value people that recognize what their talents are, what their skills are, and offers up help and solutions. So if you can, you know, come to a, a problem or a project and be self driven, everybody around you is going to value that and be super grateful. Um, absolutely industrious. They kind of go hand in hand. Um, I'll circle back on um, BD when I basically said when I took the position of BD, it sort of felt like a homecoming. And I say that because the culture at BD, it, which is most fascinating, is that there's, there's brilliance in that building. There's brilliance in the minds of the people that, you know, that, that work at, at BD. I'm not saying that I'm one of them by any means, um, but some of my colleagues are, are, are pretty much geniuses. And you wouldn't know it because they, they approach their world and their craft with an air of humility that is absolutely humbling. And um, I, 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 I know for a fact that that is absolutely something that we look for. Um, your, your talents come through the work that you do. Um, and, and, you know, there's definitely, there's definitely time for praise and so, so forth, but, um, being humble in your craft is, is really refreshing. Um, collaboration. You definitely want to be a collaborator. Um, you, you also, um, the other thing that is sort of 
culmination of everything else I said um, is you an analytical type mindset will really help you. Um, and what I mean by that is the same thing. Like, you know, if, if somebody, if somebody is going to, you know, you know, take a jump or do a thing or something that's going to impact, you know, some portion of your apparel, you know, analyze it. What is that? Where is that impact point? Um, that's, you know, on the product level, like, do the work, do the research. And I think now because of COVID, we have all this time, we have all this computer time is absolutely an opportunity to dive in and do as much research as you, as you want. Um, and as you need, and as you have the capacity for, um, to, to see what's out there, um, and just analyze it all. There's also the portion of, of, um, you know, the sales data. Why is something selling? Why is something a hot seller? You can, you can browse all the, all the apparel brands out there, all the hard goods brands out there, and they've got a rating system. Why? Why are some things selling? Why are they hotter than others? Is it a trend? Is it a trend thing? Is it a, is it a market, opportun market opportunity? Is it a void that's filling a market? Or is it absolutely innovation? Um, so having that, that, um, that analytical mindset is is super helpful and then again in that vein it's like everything comes at a cost and i'll talk about that in just a minute um but you know again like the skills we all have to have designers hate excel spreadsheets but we have to use them they're they're a tool for us that that if we don't have an excel spree spreadsheet how are we going to analyze the cost how are we gonna? How are we gonna? You know, find out where our margins are, are lying. So there's there are fundamental things about um, you know the analytical mindset that will apply throughout your career. Um, so so it, you know, lead with that. Find out what you're what you're what you can do and what you can bring. Um, and the next four years is absolutely going to be exploratory, and um, I'm sure. Um, building you're going to build upon all this as a, as far as um skills go i'm going to touch on this and then i'm going to get into the into the 2d to 3d process um skills absolutely software you definitely want some business understanding um understand what's what's happening in your market what you're interested in um, you don't have to know everything, just have a cursory knowledge of what's going on, what's, what's trending and so forth. Um, you, your, okay, so back to what Edward was saying. You, it's unlikely that you will get behind a sewing machine unless you know pattern making. So um, I, you know, it's been a while since I've taken a pattern making class, um, but I can, you can put me into any fit session and I'm going to nip and tuck and figure it out and tell the factory exactly what corrections to make. Um, but if you don't under, understand how to take a 2D sketch into a 3D form outside of, your, of the virtual tools, um, I think you'll be at a, a slight disadvantage. So that is, so hone those skills. It's going to help you whether you decide to be a designer 
or a product developer or even a product line manager. Because the more seams that you put onto a product, the higher the cost is going to be. So there's, there's a cost ratio to, to everything. So, these, so those are the foundational skills that you'll want to learn and have an understanding of. doesn't mean that you have to be a rock star pattern maker, just that you understand the principles behind pattern making and taking something from, from 2D into 3D. Um, then, of course, getting into the sewing. Sew away. Learn as much as you can. Make a couple of pro prototypes. Um, we, we at BD, we do have a sew lab. Um, Patagonia had, it has an incredible lab. Um, the Forge, they have a very different structure, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, where they literally have a team of pattern makers. And I, I think you know one of my former colleagues, Eric Rice, but, and probably Glenn Morden. Um, they, so their, their toolkit that's done in the forge is bar none. Like it is the best of the best. They have full-time pattern maker. They have full-time sewers um, as, as designers and product developers. You can go down there and engineer it yourself. BD has a very small team. I think we're probably at least five years away from getting to something to that level, but we do have a sew lab. We do have pattern making equipment. Um, we do have plotters. We have a laser cutting machine. We've got it all. We just don't have the manpower to actually get in there and do it. So, so I would, I would highly recommend, you know, take on your projects, bust in there, build it, knock it down, do it better, you know, build, hone those skills because it will, it will help you no matter what your, what your path in, in this, in the um, outdoor space is going to look like. And it's fun. Um, then materials. So materials are fascinating. So um, you, you know, as a product developer, regardless of whether or not it's hard goods or soft goods, your materials will dictate your cost and sorry that i'm leading with that it'll dictate your environmental position it will dictate how something is going to drape around a form um and it will dictate what your what the longevity is of the the piece that you're working on um your you know I, what i've learned over my over over my years is that there are people that love textile sciences. They love it. They're good at it. They're, you know, they're geeks in, in that mindset. They love the chemical composition or the, you know, the fiber technology that goes into, into, building, into, into building textiles and, and, and the performance values of that. Um, it is absolutely a specialty. That's not what you guys are doing. Um, but there are properties of every fabric, whether it's a knit, whether it's a woven, whether it's a nylon versus polyester, whether it's a two layer, two and a half layer, three layer, that will perform differently, that will um, drape differently, that will um, have a, uh, a varying lifespan, and that will arrive at a certain price point. Now, you're in the whole span of things. This is this is this is where product development has huge, huge, huge value. So, as as a hub, as a hub um, hub in this whole scope of, of product creation, your your ultimate responsibility is to 
is to take all of the bits, all of the spokes, all of these things, meld it together, choose the right factory, and you know, you'll, you know, throughout throughout the beginning chapters of your career, you will you'll have um, you know industry mentors that will say this factory has this skill set. This is what they do well at. Here are the duty consequences for um, the import duty consequences for choosing such a a material. Different materials have different um, duty rates, um, but also a different location. Um, so so you. It, it, it's all it's all encompassing when it when it comes to materials. But as a product developer, it all comes in through you. Choose your factory, then it goes out, and then the, and then the creation cycle begins. I don't want to overwhelm anybody, so so scale me in if if you need to, um, Chase. Um, but I'm I'm saying that because um, you know these the skills that you that you hone. Um, and the knowledge that you build will just give you an overarching understanding of the entire process, and that's going to be critical to your to your success. And having empathy and understanding of what's required from the sourcing team, what's required from the quality team, um, what is required from the from the line product line management position. You know, if they're telling you that you've got a hundred, you know, ninety nine dollars to to build a two and a you know, two and a half layer jacket or 2.5 layer jacket, you're like, geez, I, I better choose the right factory. I better choose the right materials and I better choose the right construction um, and, the, and fewer seams in order to hit that price point and your margin. So from a business case, your product line manager, what they'll do is they'll, they'll get the whole line assorted for you. They'll put the retails together because they've got inputs from the sales team and you're your job is to is to partner with the designer, partner with the materials team, partner with the sourcing team, and gel all of that information. Your design, your designs, your materials, your silhouette, your um, constructions. Choose the right factory and start the process of building your product and taking it from two D to three D. So I can't underestimate how how critical the role is um, there. It is the hero role behind the scenes of, of, of what we do. Um, and it is, you know, at the end of the day, you just can't be prouder than your having your colleagues come up and be like, damn it, you just won an award for that. Like, like incredible, you know, ISPO just gave you a gold award. So there's, there, there are kudos. You, you, you build your career and you build your, um, um, you build your expectations of yourself because you know that you've got the stuff to make it happen. You've honed in your communication tools to tell the factory, hey, you, you kind of missed the construction on this. I'm going to redesign the sketch so that it's clear for you. We're going to have a video. I'm going to walk you through it. And this is how it should get built. And, and don't accept second best. That is, that, that's not going to work because it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to come back and haunt you somewhere down the road. So, um, Anyways, it's 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 a pretty it's a it's a, an exciting part of the product creation process. Um, 
that is not necessarily designer, um, but you absolutely have a designer mindset because there's no way that you can innovate and construct on behalf of the de design team without understanding all of those principles and having the skills to be able to, to pull it off. So um, there's lots of opportunity. So, so as far as the ins and outs of product development, so I gave you an overview of what that looks like. In, in general, and I'm speaking more from what Edward was saying, that we, we are still in a 2D process. So for us, we're still building things in, um, in Adobe Illustrator. We are working with a program, which is a, a web-based program. It's affordable for BD. And we didn't have to in we didn't have to hire an IT individual to support us, but we are working with uh, Backbone PLM. So um, that's been a great tool for us. We can house all of our information in there, and it's been it's been super. Um, now I think as we get as we grow, we'll probably want to look at Centrix and and other um, PLM systems. Um, but for now, um, Backbone is working out terrific for us. So so designers designers will. Designers consult product developers to make a product. So they're going to come up with a concept and they'll be like, what do you think? Can we do it? Which factory do you think will, will have that ability to do it? And you're going to, you're going to think back on all of your, all of your um, mock-ups, your hits, your failures, and so forth, and be like, well, what I learned from creating this mock-up is you want to execute this, 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 and this design line doesn't make sense on 2D, so here's what I propose. So the collaborative portion on the design end is really fun, and it's super important. And if you have time within your calendar, which I have not talked about, which is drives everything, if you have time in your calendar to pull a project that is uh, innovative onto a long lead time calendar, then that, that's amazing because that will allow you time to get into your SOLAB, to mock some things up, get it out onto, your, onto one of your um, field testers or one of your ambassadors and have them give you valuable feedback as to what's working, what's not working, and then go back to the drawing board and redo it. So, so there's, there's, always, there's always failures. Don't ever be, in fact, there's like no failures because it's all part of learning. There will always be an opportunity to do better. Um, so don't, don't discount that. That's one thing I wanna say. So your tech packs, once you've got all that dialed, your designer will probably do a portion of your tech pack. You may contribute and put some sketches in there. Your, um, your responsibility will be working with the, with the materials people and the designers to decide, I want XYZ materials, this zipper, um, th this you know, zipper puller, this cord lock, blah, 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 all the way down the line. You build your bill of material. You build your, your, your uh, engineering specs, um, and that's a whole nother conversation, I think, for another day, which is um, fit, fit techs, fit specialists. It's, it's super duper important because if you don't build a product that fits using a verified Alvinon form, whatever the brand is that verified those specs, um, your product will fail. So pay very, very close attention to your fit. Align yourself with your fit engineers, your, your fit colleagues um, to, 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 to nail that because it's critical. 
Um, then when it comes to, um, okay, so you've got your whole tech pack, your, 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 the relationship with your factories are also very important and you will be the one that manages the, those relationships with your colleagues over in Asia. They are colleagues without the factories in Asia, India, South America, we would not be in existence. Huge respect. These people, these people are incredible. They are experts at what they do. Um, we, they, we all have families. We're all trying to support our families. Um, again, I, I just can't emphasize that enough. It's a privilege to be able to work with some of the premium factories that I have over the years. I don't, I, I don't discount that for a second. Um, so know that, you know, eventually in your careers, you know, let's say that you have the opportunity to just go out of the box and just work for BD or work for Patagonia, you will already be with those premium factories. That is no small feat. Each of these brands has worked with these partner factories to get them up to the level that they're doing um, at a fair wage. And it's, it's, it's commendable and it's, uh, you know, respect all the way around. Um, and it's a partnership. So having said that, once you're, once you're, once you dive into the, into your um, development cycle, Everybody works off a calendar. So, you know, people say in the apparel industry, it's an 18-month calendar. As far as I'm concerned, it's pretty much a six-month calendar as far as the development cycle goes. And from spring, you know, you're, you'll start your, your spring season um, in July and you'll end in December. Traditionally, I'm just going to speak traditionally, you can always have a one-off project and this is depending on um, having sales meetings and which I don't know if many, a lot of brands have to do that because there is a selling cycle, there is a buy cycle. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know how that's changing in this new environment that we're in right now, but I guarantee you in the next four years, things are going to evolve. There's probably going to be a lot more fast market and one-off opportunities. But for now, I'll speak in season collections. So you'll have your your you'll have your 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 collection you'll have a a a body of styles that makes sense for your skill set so if you're a product developer and you love building denim you know you can be a denim bottom specialist like a woven specialist and know all the ins and outs and all the best factories in the world that build bottoms and you you can dial in a fit like no one you can be a you can be a knit expert or a circular knit expert and, you know, go to work for Under Armour and have a very unique skill set there. You can be an outerwear expert. And that's, that's my background is outerwear just because I'm connected to the sports. So, you know, so you know everything about woven materials and, and membranes and um, how to construct and tape things and the functionalities that go to it. So think about those things as you, as you choose your specialty because that will that will trickle down and um, you'll align with factories who also have that skill set and you'll be able to learn a lot from these factories as a result. So the, so the, whole, the, the whole cycle from 2D to 3D is release your tech pack, follow the schedule. You've, you've, sent a, you've got a uh, brand schedule, a development schedule, and you've got a factory schedule. They, they are pretty much the same, but certain, certain deadlines apply to certain portions of, of the business. 
The, the factory schedule, they are 100% dependent on that. At the end of the day, the only thing that matters is that you deliver salesman samples on time. Everything else backs into the calendar. So you technically will have a certain amount of time to build your prototype. If, if you are late sending out your tech pack information on the front end, you're two weeks late, it is a big stressor on the factories to... Um, to, to make up that time on the end and you risk getting a prototype. So invariably factories would like to build no more than two prototypes. I've heard horror stories of people going into five prototypes, which I don't, I guarantee you, you'd be late and completely off, off the calendar as a result. Your goal would be to spend as much time as possible mocking up, making sure your sketch is right, making sure your, your fit specs are, are correct and your materials are vetted and approved and align with the position of the retail price point and the um, environmental position of your product. If you do that all on the front end, then you are, you're almost guaranteed to have P2 be your gold standard. That's, that should definitely be your, your, your goal. Um, it saves money. And again, if you go virtual, that's another, that's where you'll definitely be saving money, but I don't know where all brands are right now and where they're going, but that will be part of the future. Um, but it's a money saver and it's efficient. So the factories, factories, if you're churning because you don't have the information, you're guaranteed to spread it down the line to the factories where they don't have an, enough information. Keep your communication flow open. Um, if, they, if they'll come back to you with a series of questions, you know, maybe what, what was on a sketch um, makes sense to you, but it actually doesn't make sense to the factory. So there'll be a Q&A back and forth. So how you communicate with your factories is really important. Most, in general, all the merchandisers at every factory speak incredible English. They at least can understand the written word exceptionally, but they usually have a business manager that speaks English perfectly. Um, so when you do have a video conference or if they are CC'd on, a, on an email, the communication flow is, is pretty solid. Um, so, so what we do at BD, and this is, this is kind of important, I, I am getting into the nitty gritty of it, um, just so that you guys understand that there are, there are so many components. It's, it's such a critical role. I don't want to leave it out, and, but I also don't want to underestimate how cool it is to get those protos in. But in order to get protos in that resemble you know, anything like you, you, you and your designer put on Sketch, you, all these little bits have to align um, and be super good. So. So you've got your tech pack, A, any mock-ups, send them off, um, you've got your fit, you get your proto in. Your prototype should come in, in general, you don't want it more than two weeks away. You're going to review this prototype along with your costing, that's critical. You've got to get that cost sheet in, that's going to tell you whether or not the materials that you selected are, are going to support the product line manager's target retail for that, because if it doesn't, the sales team may not buy into it and they say you missed the market opportunity. So it's, it's all this stuff. You'll have a short window of time to switch gears into another material or a different construction or even a different factory and it always happens at P1. 
So P1 is your most important um, prototype in the entire process. Regardless of whether or not you have samples, you will indeed have to make a prototype to make sure that your virtual sketch, whatever that is, is exactly what you want to build for production. Okay, so there's that. Um, you review your costing, you review the fit session with your whole team. It's a super collaborative event. It's really fun. If you get two protos, you can send one proto out to your field tester or you can test it. Um, it'll come in a base size. Usually men's is a medium, women's is a six, as you know. Um, you get all that information back and, and off you go to P2. You do your comments and off you go to P2. Um, now, what... What, what is unique about a brand like Patagonia and um, what I'm trying to get, I had a, a lot of great learnings at Patagonia, um, is in, we don't quite have the team set up, but we do have, have a quality team, is your quality review process within the P1 schedule. So, um, so for, for quality, it's, you know, don't assume that you know everything or you can see everything from all angles. A quality person could come in and be like, oh, your, your stitch count is off. And so that could compromise your quality. Or, you know, they, they'll come in with a different mindset and offer value too. So the more people that get eyes on your P1, and that includes maybe even your sales teams, maybe even your colleagues, maybe your colleagues are like, I wouldn't wear that thing. Like, forget it. So go back to the drawing board. And you do have to go back to the drawing board. There's all different levels of input that are valid. Um, take it, run with it, um, build the next proto. And at the end of the day, your job is to build the best possible product that represents the brand and um, has longevity uh, in the industry so that for the, end, for the end user, so that we don't have to keep replacing things over and over again. Um, there's, there, you know, I could talk about efficiencies, but I think you've got a lean conversation that could, that could do all that. But, um, you know, there will be so many learnings through the first, you know, five, five, 10 years, I'm still learning of your career that you will just continue to evolve. And that's where kind of the joy is in all of it. And, you know, and again, the, once you get that prototype in and you're like, you could be like, oh my gosh, the factory, like they totally screwed this up. And then you look at the look at your tech pack and you'd be like, oops, I totally screwed that up. So of course the factory is going to screw it up. That That's okay. Get back into it, figure it out. Um, but at the end of the day, when that prototype comes in and everybody was like, yes, you know, everything functions, you've passed your, your, your lab test, your material lab test, your quality tests, and you've got a vetted sample, and, you're, and then you see your athletes out there and you see your, your awards coming in. There's so much pride in the work that we do, knowing that you're just spreading the joy and the love of, of your craft and your sport that, you know, it's, it's just awesome. Just awesome. I don't know, should I end there? <laughs> so, so we've got some questions that are starting to come in from the students. Uh, so maybe, maybe we'll transition over to that. Um, Andrew asks, uh, Andrew, one of our students asks, what is the difference between the prototype um, you make at the factory and the product, um, let's see, made in the factory and the product that you're sewing in the lab at BD? 
Okay. Um, okay, so let's look at it in these terms. If you, if you do a, um, let's just say you do a mock-up or a uh, prototype in, in your lab, you're, you're actually in the, you're not in the commercialization phase of a product build. This is, this is critical and a very good question. Once your, once your tech pack has gone off to the factory, you are in the commercialization phase. You're bound to a calendar that the rest of your business is also part of, and you are bound to the deliverables. I'm not saying you don't have the opportunity to drop a style if it's not functioning. That does indeed happen. Um, but they can both be considered prototypes. Um, I sort of view prototypes... Uh, ideation prototypes where you're ideating a concept in the lab and for some reason my brain is not thinking right now I know I have another term for this it's sort of like it's not a counter sample but um, it's a reference sample you can call it a reference sample you can take that reference sample or mock-up that you built in your so lab and send that reference sample off to the factory so that they see what you've constructed, how you've constructed it, um, so that your P1 is the best it can possibly be. Andrew says that was super helpful. So, <laughs> so I'll ask one while, while they're thinking of hopefully some others. So how much travel uh, is involved for you working with the factories pre-COVID and now in COVID? What does that kind of look well, like for you? We'll start with in COVID is zero. Um, uh, you know, and it's, it's fascinating. Um, I, I, I am not going to deny that there are absolutely perks in this business for sure. And one of them is the privilege to go travel there. There is, you know, I don't think that video can actually replace the hand, you know, the hands on collaboration that you have with your factories. Um, so, so for me as so for me as a director, I will probably typically make, you know, one round of visits, if not two rounds of visits to almost all of my factories every, every year. The product developers, what we'll do with in the product development role is the factories that, working, that they're working with, they usually go once per season as needed. Now, there's, there, there, there are pros and cons to doing this. The pros, of course, are to, you know, go back. You can do it two ways. You can hand off your tech pack and your reference sample and your mock-up and to explain all the, you know, the constructions and the ins and outs of building your particular proto, your product, your proto, your product, pardon me. Or you could do it after P1 where you've taken all of your inputs from your colleagues um, and you go back over to the factory and you sit down and review them all, and then that, that almost guarantees that your P2 is going to be gold standard quality. So um, I love that portion of the business, um, the ability to travel. It absolutely opened my mind. And, you know, I, I, when I first started in the industry, it was, it was totally a game changer. Not that I wasn't a traveler, but I think, you know, your generation um, just – loves to travel. It's easy to travel. The world is smaller than ever. So it's easy to hop on a plane. There's, there's no fear about hopping on a plane per se, or, um, you know, in cell phones and communication, it's, it's enabled your generation to hit the road, um, without hesitation. So I think it's important to meet face to face to your factories, um, shake a hand. Um, they value that to put a, a face, face to the name. Um, 
you, it's a different thing doing it on video. So at least twice a year and enjoy. We've got a question here from Brent. How do you interface with sales side of the business during your product development cycle to find out how well you're doing in meeting end user needs? So, um, so in the product development cycle, it, and it will vary, it will vary between companies. Um, this, most of the sales information comes in through the product line manager. And I'm, I'm saying that because there's a, there's a threshold for how much information, you know, our, our, our roles can take in. What they, what they don't have to deal with, they don't have to deal with the factories and all the emails that come in from the factories. So, um, I'm, I'm cautious of how much information that I, I get in directly from the sales channels unless it's part of an upfront discussion of what the line planning is going to look like. And that usually happens twice a year. Um, or they'll say, you know, hey, I got some sales feedback. Um, something, something's failing, um, you know, in development. Is there something that an inline adjustment that you could make um, to correct that issue? So... It doesn't mean that we don't see that our sales colleagues on a regular basis um, or definitely during the, the sales meetings, but typically a lot of the information from sales comes in through the PLM. Um, and yet we get a lot of feedback in from the PLM. We get, we are hands-on with our athletes, which has been a joy um, and, and, you know, firsthand insight as to what they're asking for. Um, development does have that. And I would rather, I'd rather be aligned, honestly, with, with the athletes because it's, it's the guts of what we do um, with, with inputs from the sales team. Um, as I say, how much, uh, what kind of goes into determining what factory BD is going to work with? What are some of the common things that you might look for in a factory as you're looking to, to maybe move manufacturers? So for, for, for BD, because we do have a small team, we look for, um, we look, we, we want to know if the other big brands are in there. And I, I've had a relationship with all the brands, all the factories from Patagonia that, that have allowed me to enter into relations on behalf of BD. So that's been, that's been valuable. Um, but absolutely, um, fair labor. Um, they don't have to be a blue sign partner. Some of one of our factories is now a blue sign partner, which is awesome for us. Um, uh, there's, there's certain accreditations that they, that they must have. And I think maybe, maybe that's a conversation for our quality team or our, our social compliance team. Um, and that could be actually another scope of conversation for somebody else, but there are certain requirements that we do have with our factories. We, we want to keep this as clean um, and uh, upstanding and reciprocal as, as, as we possibly can. Um, and right now we're in some pretty incredible factories. All right. Well, I think we're just about at that 10 o'clock time. So I'd like okay. to thank you again for uh, zooming in with us and taking the time out of your busy schedule to let us know what's going on and uh, kind of the world of development there at BD. Be in touch if anybody has any, has any questions. Uh, I'm not going anywhere. So um, hopefully we'll get to meet maybe next spring. Um, 
if, if students do want to reach out, how's the best way to get in touch with you? Don't want you to get overwhelmed um, by, by student questions, but. So, no, I, hey, you know what? At this stage of my career, that's what I'm here for. That's so great. I'm here. View, view me as a resource to, to the industry. Um, I'll share everything I know um, that I'm able to, to share. Um, and you can just reach me via email. No problem. Okay. So we can okay. share that with the group. Please do. Okay. Perfect. Thanks, everyone. Be in Best touch of luck in your endeavors and stay safe. All right. Sounds okay. good. Thanks, Laura. All right. Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. For more conversations with outdoor leaders, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, watch episodes on the Outdoor Product Design and Development YouTube channel, or on opdd.usu.edu slash podcast. Follow along on Instagram at USU Outdoor Product and let us know how you're enjoying the show.